2: We're going to cause trouble. Scott Farrell is calling the shots from the sideline. We're going to make fun of people. We're going to hurt people's feelings. It's Farrell on the bench. I believe in whipped cream with everything. It's Farrell on the bench in the biggest way possible. Hey. Hanging out the bad seat, a broken day, a bad apple with a bad attitude, hanging around a bunch of bad attitude, bad taste, bad life bad dude, bad breath, bad attitude, bad vibes. We are live in the Ferrella palace right across the river and through the woods from where Granny just stole my hybrid mimosa 16.7 THC sign. She's a dangerous bee in New York City. Big apple. Ooh, people dressed in plastic bags, directing traffic, some kind of fashion, shake it up, should do. Better. all my friends that come around, flat to flat to party up, rats on the west side, bedbugs uptown but a bastard. My brain's splattered all over Manhattan, Chinookies. I got Hey, what's gigging? I'm Pharrell with Mafia tonight on a misery Monday night in New York. And we're watching the Rams leading the Bears in the third quarter at SoFi in la, 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 Lipstick City at their new stadium in Inglewood. It's styling that place. Rams up 10-3 as we speak, and moving, they have uh, the ball deep in Chicago territory after a couple of nice uh, passes from Goff and a little bit of a run from Woods, and they got the ball back. Uh, on a punt after they had uh, punted down to the Bears one and then stopped the Bears uh, on third down and uh, got the ball back on a punt, you know, past midfield. But they moved the ball down and now they're in a position uh, to get involved in this game. Uh, in terms of they've already got a seven-point lead. They're trying to make it uh, more. There's about nine minutes left in the third, so early in the third. They're on the uh, Bears' 13-yard line in a timeout right now. So they had a uh, pass to Cup for 10 yards that set it up. So here they are in the red zone on a five-play, 42-yard drive, first and 10. Let's see if they can do anything against that stout Chicago defense. That's what we got tonight. Bears and Rams on the Monday nighter. We got a lot to do tonight on the bench.
1: Hey, everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast. Checking in with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys. And I'd love for you to join me. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
2: So Brown up the middle for a one-yard touchdown and Sloman, the kick now 17-3 Rams after the Brown touchdown. And uh, they now are up two scores on the Bears in LA, 17-3. And then, you know, this is when I guess the point of the game where you start wondering how uh, will Chicago come back and cover, <laughs> right? Because that's really what it's about now, because you think you got it in the bag until uh, there's 10 seconds left in the game and the Bears are going for the winning score, right, Moff? I mean, did that not happen in every, like well, how many games yesterday did it come down to the last play? Five? Lions? The Panthers came down to the last play. That was a, a missed field goal. Uh, and then I'm just looking at the other ones and that was it in terms of, uh, last minute, last second, last seconds, you know, last, literally last play last possession. I mean, that's crazy that that many games, uh, happen that way. You know what I mean? Like you just, I'm just, when I watch the games now on Sundays, I literally feel like um, so like let's say for instance in the afternoon games, the first thing I saw was like the Raiders score, right? They scored first, didn't they didn't they score first against the bucks? I think they did. It was like seven nothing. and uh, and the first thing I said, I was sitting there watching a the game and I went, oh well that doesn't matter. I go that none of that matters. Who scores first? who who has the ball and who's, you know, catching passes and throwing bombs and, and completing, having first downs time. None of it matters because the only thing that matters in the NFL is the second half and the fourth quarter. That's it. Tell me I'm wrong. What game is decided in the first quarter or the first half? None. I mean, You know, what is there like one or you might get one game, one game a week is the game's over in the first quarter. What was it? The Chiefs? Chiefs Broncos? I don't even think that was over in the first quarter. But I know that, you know, these teams, you know, you watch a game and you see a team score first and you're like, yeah. And you're like on your money guys at the sports book are like, yeah, I'm off and running. It doesn't mean Jack. Because it all boils down to the last 10 minutes. It's like every single game turns into this crazy, unexplainable force of nature. Like it's like a it's almost like a UFO or something, a paranormal. It just always comes down to some crazy, unexplained,, uh, you know mystery of how is this game all of a sudden, Coming down to the last possession, the last play, the last pass, the last everything. It is so unbelievable. Like one minute your team's in, they're ready to celebrate, go to the locker room and have a beer, and you're going to cover your bet. And the next minute you're broke and your girlfriend's making out with your best friend. I mean, it's unbelievable. Like, did you see the, you know, the Cleveland-Cincinnati game was just like the first game. You remember when Cincinnati backdoored in that first game of the week? Uh, in week one. And then they, you know, they got the backdoor cover and the game was like 35, 30. How about that game yesterday? It went back and forth. How many times did they change leads in the second half? It was like every time one of them had a possession, the other team, you know, they scored. They just kept going back and forth, scoring back and forth, scoring back and forth. And then Baker Mayfield with 11 seconds left throws it to people's Jones game over. Touchdown and that that was after the Bengals had taken a the lead they were they thought the game was over that, you know they're celebrating and it's these crazy absolutely unexplainable forces of nature where all of a sudden a team that's completely finished like the Lions right how is that possible that the guy can you even explain it the guy Gurley runs the ball to the goal line and then falls into the end zone, basically with his weight. They score instead of stopping at the one, letting the clock run out, kick the game winning field goal game over. Instead they give the lions the ball back it's just inexplicable. And then they get a the ball back with a minute left and they move down the field and score a touchdown on the last play of the game with no time left whatsoever. He throws to Hawk and they win the game. And it's just, it's you can't even make this stuff up. It's so crazy. Interception in the end zone by the Rams right now as the Bears move down the field after getting scored on. They were at the 10-yard line, ready to score. He throws it into the end zone, and they pick it off, and Foles gets jimmied, and you get the uh, boom. He moved right down the field, throws it into the end zone, looking for Mooney, boom. It's deflected by the corner and picked off by the Rams. And that's all she wrote. Hill deflected it and Rapp picked it off. Boom. Rams ball. And that was a, a real scoring chance right there for the uh, Bears. I mean, they honestly, they got they moved right down the field. Did they not? I mean, that is crazy. So they moved, I mean, they were at their own uh, 34. They moved to the 48. They moved down to the Rams 41. They moved to the Rams 15. They moved to the Rams nine. And uh, Foles gets uh, the pass picked off, trying to hit Mooney, picked off by Rapp. And that's that. Rams have the ball now. And now there's five minutes left in the third, and they take over. And let's see how they uh, handle their business. I'm still just waiting for the uh, inexplicable ending. I just, you know, is there ever just a game that the game's over and you're you're in the bag and you got the money and that's that and you're going to win your bet? When, when does that happen easily anymore? In the NFL. Besides like never. Like yesterday, as I mentioned, there was basically one game, the Chiefs game, that was uh, a blowout. And that was it. Every other game was crazy. You can't even describe, the Titans came down for a, a tying field goal. Oh, I guess, excuse me, the Niners blew out the patch. You're right. So Falcons, that was crazy. Bengals, Browns was crazy. Saints, Panthers ended up being crazy. The Bills game was crazy. They didn't cover the 11 because they kicked six field goals to win. They never scored a touchdown. You can't even explain that. Against the Jets, how do you not score a touchdown against the Jets? I don't care who the defensive coordinator is. They're the worst team in the league. You've got to score touchdowns when you play the Jets. That's all there is to it. The Washington game with Dallas, that was a blowout, 25-3, whatever. And then uh, the Texans, I guess that was a blowout. The Packers whacked them. But the Cardinals game was overtime, and the Chargers game was relatively close. It wasn't a huge blowout or anything by the Chargers. They covered, but – and then Tampa whacked uh, the Raiders. That was pretty easy. You keep – Talking about the Buccaneers every week, if you haven't noticed, they are slowly but surely, in my opinion, turning into uh, the best team in the NFC. I mean, you could see it, right? Like, do you not think that they're uh, pretty formidable now and they mean business? I mean, let's face facts. Uh, they win 45-20. They're now 5-2. and two. Brady threw for four touchdowns, 369 yards. I actually thought that his passes yesterday were brilliant. I I mean, honestly, like he was throwing ropes all day and beautiful floating uh, bombs, corner end zone routes, cross field passes, tight, you know, rope passes with defenders all over his receivers. And he still made the perfect throws to Miller, uh, to Evans. I mean, the guy, it's just, so unbelievable what he's doing at his age. And forget about the age anymore, right? What is he, 43, 44 years old? I can't even keep track of his age. All I know is is that uh, no one, did they really think, did you really, because they didn't have odds to like win the Super Bowl, really. really. Did you really think that this guy, most people thought he was going there to finish his career, right? No one said, oh, he's just gonna do whatever he wants. He's coming into his own again, like, where he's just playing, like, dominant Tom Brady quarterback, and that team is dangerous.
0: Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon.
2: on the bench. Jim McBride is our good friend up in uh, Boston with the Globe, and we thought we'd bring him on tonight uh, to talk about all the uh, Patriots problems and uh, get his reaction to what Tom Brady's doing, even though he probably doesn't want to talk about that. (laughs) Hey, Jim, how you doing, buddy?
0: I'm great, Scott. How are you?
2: I'm turning the corner. So I was just talking to Mafia about and the audience about how Uh, Brady, I honestly, like the passes that he threw in Vegas yesterday were so perfect and so on and so tight and so on a rope and his floating bombs uh, were so perfect. I just can't even believe what I'm uh, seeing from him. Like he threw four touchdowns yesterday and he was. You know, completely rocking uh, for the Bucs. And I think they're the best team in the NFC. Can you even believe, uh, what is he, like 65 years old? The guy is like, he's making George Blanda like an afterthought. What this guy's doing in Tampa, and it has, what has it taken him? Like no time at all to like take over that team. And he's also getting what he wants. Don't tell me he didn't get Brown there. I don't believe a word that comes out of Arian's mouth.
0: Oh man, playing quarterback and GM at the same time—it's got to—it can't be—it uh, can't be easy. But you know, he had four touchdown passes yesterday. The the Patriots have three all season, so uh, you know it's it's been ugly up here.
2: I mean, uh, when you see uh, this guy doing that, what are like? Has there been a reaction to it back in in Boston? Because uh, the it has to be because you guys in in terms of now with Cam Newton and uh, and Stidham, they look awful, and so I can't think of anything worse. That'd be like the um, the girlfriend that left you, and you're begging her to come home, like you're begging her to come back, and she's off with some new lover. You're doomed. He's like gone, and your quarterback situation is so bad right now. Your season's going down the toilet.
0: Yeah, it's it's been it's been a bad feeling for a couple of weeks. You know, the first three weeks or so of the season. Um, people hadn't really paid attention, much attention to Tom, because the Patriots were were two and one, and really only a play away from being three and zero if if Cam had snuck that ball in up in Seattle, but they'd be three and zero. So people were very excited about Cam, and they were excited about the Patriots, and they didn't really give Tom much of a uh, you know of a thought anymore. But these last two weeks, it's it's been rough. And then when they they saw those deep balls yesterday, I think people were really stunned because you know Tom hadn't hadn't thrown that deep ball in in New England, and probably three or four years before where he had a deep ball like that. So uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a, it's a terrible juxtaposition that Patriots fans are in right now.
2: I mean, uh, you know, what's weird is that there was talk about how he didn't have the, he didn't have the the players to make those plays anymore in uh, New England. And he, and he just didn't have those types of, Receivers. He had his Edelman, but that was, you know, basically the, the gist of it. And then he goes down to Tampa and he's got, you know, he's got great hands and speed and size and Evans and Godwin and Miller. And I mean, he had uh obviously he still has Gronk, and Gronk started catching touchdown passes despite Arians, doesn't like tight ends. You know, uh it's funny for me. Like I, I'm just gonna say this. I'm not, I'm starting to like not be a fan of Arians. I don't like who in their right mind, seriously, has uh, a guy like Gronkowski on his team. I don't care who you are. And you say, and he's never used tight ends, even in Pittsburgh. Uh, I guess in Pittsburgh, he used he used a tight end uh, back in the day. uh, And and, and, but that's the only time he's ever used it. And he said he's not, you know, this guy's a blocker and all the rest. Have you seen what, what uh, Brady's doing now with Gronkowski, throwing him touchdown passes now every week? And, you know, I don't even listen to Bruce Arians anymore. I just listen. Brady's the coach. He's the GM. He's the quarterback. And he can throw it to whoever he effing wants to throw it to. I don't listen to Bruce anymore. Bruce should worry about that ugly uh, mask he wears out on the field that makes him look like a Martian. And <laughs> and stop, stop getting involved in decisions with football because Tom's in charge now.
0: Yeah, that, that's pretty clear. Uh, that that Tom's in charge. like you say, the way he's using the tight end, and the way he went out and got Antonio Brown, and you know you you peeled off those names of the of the weapons he has down there. And Brown's probably a better receiver than all of them once he knocks the rust off. So um, you know they, they're they're going to they're going to need more than one ball down there because they just because Tom just not going to have know who to throw it to.
2: When, when he played with Brown it, for five minutes in New England, he caught a touchdown in Miami for the Pats. That took all of five minutes. And you know that guy's better than the rest of them. The only one that can even hold a candle to him is Evans. And Evans has been all kinds of banged up. If Brown comes in there and keeps his mouth shut and doesn't worry about, you know, how many targets and all the rest, and he just plays ball, and when Brady sees him and throws it to him, he catches touchdowns, it's going to – He's going to kick ass and take names. If he turns into the head case that he'd become in Pittsburgh because he'd lost his mind, money uh, changed that guy. One day he was the greatest player, remember Central Michigan? And then all of a sudden he comes out, everything's fine. Then he started making all the money. Then he started having all the problems off the field and the sexual assault cases and and getting in fights, throwing furniture, doing this, doing it, acting like some kind of playboy. I don't know what he was. He lost his mind. Do you think that guy's capable of coming back and being a solid player and not being a D?
0: Yeah, I do, because he's been, he's been away from it for so long. You know, he never had really had it taken away from him for, for, for this long. Um, so I think that, you know, you know, Rosenhaus fired him. I think he, he burned a lot of bridges and he finally realized, hey, you know, th- this has been taken away from me. I got to straighten up and fly right. I know Arians has come out and said that he's a different guy. I don't really buy Arians uh, talk, but I think working with Tom, I think he would have been fine last year in New England if, you know, if the if the sexual assault stuff didn't come out. But working with Tom as, a, as you know, clearly on the football field, he would have been fine. And I think he'll be fine down there because I think he's probably finally realized that this is, this isn't a second chance. This is his last chance.
2: I said on the air last week in the last 10 years, Uh, from 2010 until now, he's the best receiver in the NFL. And that means better than Julio Jones.
0: You could even tell during the the, the one week of practice where he was at the Patriots during individual drills that we got to watch, that he was so far uh, ahead of anyone on that team. And the, the chemistry he built with Tom in really four days before they went down to Miami and won that game, it was incredible. And you could see how kind of rejuvenated Tom was and kind of how his personality changed after they released him. He, he, he was not on board with releasing them. And, you know, he, he, he really was kind of a, a, a mopey guy after that. So uh,
2: just so everyone's updated, the Rams scored again after they picked off the ball from uh Foles in the end zone, they marched down the field and scored again. And uh, bottom line, it's 24 to three now. Uh, Rams are up with about uh, 20 seconds left in the third. So they built this huge lead on the Bears now. By the way, I just wanted to mention that everyone and their brother took the Bears tonight in that six and a half points. In fact, all, all day long today on television when I was on, everyone told me uh, they were on the Bears not only to cover the six and a half, but to win the game outright. I just wanted to slip in the fact that I took the Rams and laid five and a half. Anyway, uh, Jim McBride <laughs> with us from the Boston Globe. I have to ask you about Cam Newton. I just don't understand it, Jimmy. I honestly cuz I'm a fan of his game and I think he's a monster and I just think he's uh I felt fully and I've said this to you that he had all kinds of football left in him. And I I think he's just an incredible talent and I thought his foot's better, his shoulder's been operated I think it's it's better. He looks good. He looked fantastic. And then I don't know what the hell happened, but he hit a wall. I mean, when he drops back now, I'm seeing a guy just standing in the pocket, not moving at all, not moving his feet, just waiting. In fact, not only waiting to get hit, but he has no sense of what's behind him. You know how like Brady always knew when that guy was coming up on his backside, he could smell him. He could feel him coming like a force field. And And Newton is just getting obliterated in that pocket. And I just sense there's something wrong with him. It's like he's Uh, I hate to say it, he he looks like he's lost it, like he's shot.
0: Yeah, you know, at the beginning of camp, his mechanics weren't all that good, uh, and they worked on him a lot. And by the time camp ended, he had improved so much. And, you know, even through the first couple of weeks of the season, you could tell that, you know, his arm angle was good, his feet were moving. uh, He was, you know, he was really forcing the ball downfield. And then, you know, he had that two-week layoff with the COVID, and it seemed like, Everything fell back to pre-training camp uh, with him. He's—he's he's, like you said. He's not moving his feet. He's not even really moving his waist. It's, it, it's his whole upper body. That's all he's using when he's throwing the ball. And you know, uh, it's just—it's just not going where it should be. It, it, the, the ball's flying out. It's—it's—he's uh, short hopping guys. Um, and I—I I, I hope that it's a—it's a, a rust issue where he was. You know, we knocked out of practice for a couple of weeks. And not a, not a uh, like a, a physical problem with his shoulder. He told us yesterday that his shoulder felt fine, so but it's gotta be one of those two things. It's either rust from not practicing for two weeks or his shoulder is bothering him and he's trying to compensate by, you know, by by throwing it a different way, by adjusting his mechanics, and it's clearly not working. You know, someone made the comment yesterday that he looks like he, he aged five years and five weeks and you know, that was pretty accurate.
2: You know, that's the that's the best thing I've heard right there, what you just said, not only that, you know, the comment about he aged five years and five weeks, but I actually think that uh, it's the first time I thought, actually, just now, this very second, that maybe the shoulder is a problem again, because I can't fathom seeing a guy that big, that strong, throw for 98 yards and three picks. Like, something's gotta be wrong with him that he can't throw it. Now, hold on, Jim. I know you're going to have to stay up late with me tonight because I got to talk more with you. I'm not having any of this candy-ass one-segment stuff with Jim McBride. We'll be right back with the Boston Globe stud. For on a bench with you, uh, Jimmy McBride of the Boston Globes with us. So, um, yesterday, I- I'm watching this game. I couldn't even believe what I was watching. I, I sat and watched the-, the Patriots, right? And I'm sitting there going, This is like absolutely, it's like a bad movie. I'm sitting there watching and I'm going, Is this even happening? It- it- what is going on? I have never in 20 years seen him get his ass beat that badly, Bill Belichick, and there was nothing he could do about it. He just stood there because his team is so awful. I can't even believe what's happened to them. Can you even explain it to me?
0: Yeah, I, I I don't know how they were this competitive the first three weeks of the season or even first four weeks when you consider, you know, the the, the week four they played that game in Kansas City and, you know, if Cam had played that game, I think a lot of us thought they they would have won it because you know uh, Hoyer played so badly in that game, but the defense kept them in it. Um, so you know there were there was visions where people were saying they were two and two, or they could be four and zero, oh, and now all of a sudden these last two games, uh, you know, it's 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 really been ugly against the Broncos last week and and you know against the Forty ers yesterday. So I think that you know going forward, you know this this week in Buffalo is a huge game for the Patriots because. If they beat Buffalo, they're still in contention for the division uh, in a playoff spot, especially this year with the expanded, you know, uh, wild card. I think if they lose to Buffalo, you know, then then they probably become sellers. And, the, you know, that, that 48 hours between Sunday and Election Day, when it's also trade deadline day, um, that's going to be... I, I, you know, an unbelievable amount of, of calls are going to be. And, and the big question is, are the Patriots going to be fielding the calls or are they going to be making offers? And I think it all comes down to whether they, they can they can beat Buffalo Sunday. And it, currently, you know, I, I don't think they can. they have to have a really strong week of practice.
2: Yeah, because the Bills are better than the Patriots anymore. And that's all there is to it. And I got to tell you, when they lost to Denver, I was like, Denver's not even good. They're they're not a good team. And and I I don't care what anybody says. They're not a good team. And they proved it yesterday. Getting their ass pasted by Kansas City. That's who they are is that team because they have nothing. They really don't. And they kicked your ass. And then the Niners, who I also these people talking, the Niners are winning the West. That's not happening either. I'm not buying the Niners at, at, at this point, people, what, Russell Wilson loses loses a, a game in overtime in Arizona on the road to a Kyler Murray-Nuke Hopkins team that's decent, for sure. They lost. Now every everyone's off the uh, Seattle because they lost a game. They're not going to win the division. They are going to win the division. Not the Rams, not the Niners. But the Niners came in and kicked your ass. And you just said it. The Bills are going to probably beat you. And I think they will beat you because— the team I'm watching, you know what they are? They remind me of, and I'm not trying to be uh, negative. This has nothing to do with how much I love you, Jim. I'm just telling the facts. The facts are is that Vegas thought they were going to be horrible. Remember that Vegas had an over-under on them of about eight. And they just, they they don't believe in the Patriots this year without Brady. And this is coming up like a rose in the spring out of the ground. Honestly, the, the Patriots are turning into who Vegas thought they would be, a very average or below average football team because they lost all their best players. And it started for me with Hightower and Chung. And then from there, I was like, Van And then I'm like, once those three were gone, you heard me. I said it to you. They're doomed.
0: Yeah. And, and, and you could add Jamie Collins into that mix. The, tef- uh. the defense really took a huge hit with free agency and opt-outs. So, uh, you know, I thought that the Patriots were going to be a lot harder to defend. Um, watching Cam late in camp. I said, you know, this, this guy has, had finally looked like he did back in 2017, 2018. Um, but it, it, just, it just hasn't happened. Uh, you know, the, the receiving core has taken their hits. Edelman is clearly hurt. He's got a knee injuries on the report every week. And I think he's right. hurt more than we've, we were led to believe because uh, he doesn't have that explosive in and out of his cuts. Uh, he hasn't built up a, a rapport at all with, with Cam. Uh, so, so that's been tough. Nikhil who I think everybody thought was going to have a breakout year this year after an injury-riddled rookie season, hasn't really been able to create separation. Uh, the deep threat is Demir Bird, who Cam worked with in, in in Carolina. He's gotten open a few times, but Cam hasn't found him. So, it's it's a lack of weapons, and the weapons that are there, Cam's not finding them, and so they're they've become easy to defend because you know guys are loading up up front because they can put pressure on Cam and they can stop the run that way. So. It, it it's really been, it's really been a struggle the last two weeks, especially. And it, it's such, it, it was, it becomes a such a surprise to a guy like me who who sees them every day and covers them every day, because I came out of Seattle thinking, wow, this, this team's really good. You know, they don't usually uh, count moral victories in new England, but I think that a lot of guys thought that was, that was the night where, you know, they proved something and they really could have been three and one or they could have been two and Oh, leaving that city. And, you know, then the next week they beat the Raiders and they're, they're two and one and, and people are still flying high. And it's just kind of, it's all been downhill from there. And, you know, obviously they've missed a lot of practice time. And I think that's, you know, the go, going in after the Denver game. A lot of people said, you know, they look, they didn't practice all week. The papers didn't use it as an excuse, but you could tell that they were rusty. But last week or, or yesterday, uh, I'm not sure. The answers weren't there on either side of the ball. So what is
2: your opinion of uh, seeing Bill Belichick in this predicament? Because, i'm uh I'm interested to know what he he's got to be i mean you've gotta be walking on eggshells going around that guy right about now what what is he like when they uh look like this
0: well i i think he's singularly focused on the on the next game and he's you know and and practice uh, you know talking to him after the game yesterday and then again uh this afternoon i think he he must have mentioned getting back to practice and coaching better and playing better you know, probably 15 times between the two interviews. So uh, I think he really, you know, his, his, his comfort zone is that practice field and that was really taken away from them for, for the better part of two weeks. Um, So he's really anxious to get out there and, and, and get back to a sense of normalcy. I think, you know, this has been a, uh, it's been a tough year for every team. Don't get me wrong, but especially the last month with the Patriots, with the COVID scare, I mean, they lost Cam, they lost Stefan Gilmore for a while. Um, So, you know, what were the chances of the two guys that, that, that they lost to the COVID were their, their most important player on offense and their best player on defense? So um, I think a lot of people are just trying to take a deep breath and, and get back to practice and get some sense of normalcy. Uh, and maybe getting on the road this weekend will do them some good and kind of get away from New England for a while.
2: So do you or think, uh, Jim McBride with us from the Boston Globe, do you think that uh, what, what you've seen of Stidham – uh, so we only saw him get thrown in there yesterday late but and then before that we saw Hoy or whatever but we've seen stidham play a couple times now and uh i know that i guess in the past you've talked to me about they're high on stidham but uh i got to tell you i'd rather get high than watch stidham uh because he's <laughs> he looks terrible to me i don't i don't know where where, where yeah. is all this where is all this great Jared Stidham? Because he looks terrible.
0: I I think what's what's really hurt him is the the the, the two times he's had significant playing time. He's come in, you know, in relief and kind of a game that was already decided in, in Kansas right. City against when, when when Hoyer kind of blew up and, and yesterday when when Cam kind of blew up. I'd I'd love to see him, you know, get a, get an opportunity where he starts a game uh you know right from the start and and see what he does and you know have a full week of practice with the ones all the time because you know he doesn't get a lot of practice with the ones last year with Brady of course you don't and this year with Cam they're trying to get him ready uh so he didn't get a lot of run with the ones you know he he got hurt in camp uh so that kind of set him back a little I'd like to see him get a full week of practice or 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 two with the ones and then maybe start a game and you know if Cam if Cam can't turn it around you probably will see that at some point but uh yeah, I think it's it's kind of hard to judge him. He's made some poor decisions, but the fact that he's been in relief and, and you know, the pressure's been there to kind of bring a team back. You know, not not an optimal position for for a backup quarterback.
2: How far are they from? Uh, do you believe that happening where Stidham would uh, replace Cam Newton?
0: I think uh, again, I'm going to point to this week in, in Buffalo. Uh, you know, I think if if Cam starts slow. I think maybe Stidham comes in at the start of the second half rather than waiting until the fourth quarter, uh, because this is such a critical game. If they lose this game, you know, then you're definitely looking at a wild card at best. And even that's going to be a really tough road to hoe, um, you know, but if they win this game, then, then, then the division is still in sight. And, and, you know, you win the division, you get a home playoff game. And, you know, maybe they're playing really well by, by the end of this, um, you know, the end of the regular season, but um, it's tough to say a must win game in October, but, uh, this is a must-win game Sunday, really.
2: So let me ask you off the beaten path: what what you're seeing from Matt Patricia in Detroit? I, I brought this up on my show today. That uh, on the TV side, that I actually I noticed, you know, because I know that they should have had no business winning that game yesterday because the the Falcons butchered that like. Sam the Butcher. I mean, they uh, Gurley steps over the line, they give him the ball back, and the guy goes down on the last play of the game and throws it to Hawk and uh, win the game and steal that game in Atlanta. But here's the deal. Uh, I don't care what anybody says about anything. All I know is they did it. And this is the NFL, which is what's the final score? And who won? And Detroit won the game. And all I know is they're 500, and three weeks ago they were going to hang him. Let alone fire him. They they wanted him dead and gone in Detroit. Like you're fired, hot seat. His pants were on fire. But now, three weeks later, for the first time ever, I actually think the guys starting to do a good job in Detroit. Is that possible?
0: Yeah, you're not going to believe you believe this when I tell you, but I I actually picked them to win the Super Bowl this year over Tennessee uh, in the in the what? preseason rankings. I remember, being, yeah, I remember being around them for a week last year when the Patriots were out there at training camp. And I, I thought he had a really good vibe with that football team. Now, they had some injuries and, and you know, they had a lot of inexperience up there. But uh, I, I like the way he coaches, and I, I like the direction that team's going. And I think, I think Stafford is one of the most underrated players in the league. That touchdown pass to Hawkins yesterday to win the game, the way he changed his arm angle and was, was kind of, you know, drifting as he threw it, that's right. the kind of throws we see Mahomes make, and everyone gets goes crazy when he makes one of those throws. But Stafford's been making them for a long time. He's been he's been a guy that could change arm angles and throw on the run for for many years now. And now he finally has some some really good weapons. So I like that team a lot. It's a tough division, you know, with the Bears and with the Packers. But um, you know, I, I like the way the direction they're going. And I, I always thought Matt Patricia was a, a a great defensive coach here. And you know, obviously, it takes time to to, to establish your program. Um, and it's taken time up there, and he's taken his lumps, but i I think they'll be a winning team,
2: you know, I reminded me of uh the way Mafia throws. he goes to the axe bar where they throw axes. Have you ever seen these people now? They go throw yeah. uh, axes at the bar and uh, he's throwing hatchets, and Mafia' has become a uh, uh, expert marksman with the hatchet throwing. It looked like uh Matt Stafford throwing a hatchet to Hawkinson on that winner. Mafia is getting married next month, uh, early in the month, and he's been practicing his hatchet throwing. If anything happens in his marriage, he's going to become a professional hatchet thrower. Jim, I would spend more time talking bad about the other teams in Boston, but I think I've given you enough negativity for one evening, so (laughs) I'm going to let you go. And I will, the next time we catch up, we'll talk bad about the other teams up there. But uh. Thanks for filling us in on the lowly Patriots as they head to Buffalo for a must-win game against the Bills and a huge uh, chip for uh, Newton. He either gets it done here or he might lose his job. Uh, All kinds of problems with the Patriots. Jim, all the best, buddy. Stay healthy. Thanks for coming on the bench as usual.
0: You bet, Scott. Take care.
2: All right. I love uh, Jim McBride of the Boston Globe. Uh, Patriots got whacked by the Niners yesterday. So 33-6, that was ugly. Pharrell on a bench. Alright, Pharrell on the bench. You know, uh, coming up uh, this Saturday on Pharrelloween the 31st, two of the best boxers in the world go head-to-head for possibly the fight of the year. Don't miss Giovanna Tank Davis as he takes on Leo L. Terremoto Santa Cruz live on Showtime pay-per-view. That's this Saturday, the 31st. Pharrelloween, two of the world's most popular fighters, Davis and Santa Cruz, will meet in one of the best fights that can be made in boxing right now. It's a true 50-50 matchup between all action fighters. These guys throw hands like nobody's business. The Four Fight Pay-Per-View Stack Card from the Ferrellamo Dome in San Antonio, Texas off the Riverwalk will be the first major boxing or sporting event uh for fans in attendance there since COVID-19 forced a halt to US sports in March. The Alamo Dome has implemented a comprehensive health and safety plan protocols in place to protect people. Seating arrangements are different. They're going to have uh parties uh separated. Uh they got a adhere to all these protocols, uh, distributed tickets and seat blocks to maintain distance between groups. Uh, tickets are available now at Ticketmaster.com. You can actually go to this fight in San Antonio. It's a 130 pound belt at stake and a 135 pound belt at stake. You got the Davis 135 pound title and Santa Cruz's 130 pound title. They're both up for grabs. Last time it happened uh, was back in the day in 88 when Sugar Ray Leonard and Donnie Lalonde fought for the lightweight, uh, heavyweight and the super middleweight titles in and then in 2014, Floyd Mayweather fought Marcos Maidana in a rematch for the super welterweight and welterweight championships. So this rarely happens. These two are incredible. There's a stacked undercard as well. Uh, San Antonio Phenom, WBA super lightweight champ Mario Berrios taking on the hard-hitting Ryan Cowboy Carl from Houston. That's going to be great. Pro Grace fighting. Geraldez plus Cruz against Magdaleno in an IBF title eliminator bout. Go to Showtime.com, the Showtime app, or call your cable operator, satellite provider to order the fight Saturday on pay per view. Ah!
1: Do you ever wish you could get more from your podcasts? Well, you can with BuzzFeed Daily, hosted by me, Casey Rackham, and me, Zach Stafford. On our show, we've got more good news and more pop culture, more memes, and more celebrity tea. More of everything that's blowing up your timeline and trending on the internet. Every weekday evening, we're giving you more of what you need to enjoy your day. Because what's life if it isn't to be enjoyed? What's more enjoyable than everything fun and exciting from across the world of BuzzFeed? Yes, if you've ever loved a video from Tasty, Cocoa Butter, Paro-like, Nifty, Goodful, or BuzzFeed Celeb, we'll have something for you on BuzzFeed Daily. And don't forget about great interviews that break down all the weight, what, from the internet and beyond. Whether it's the world's preeminent astrologist, the star of your favorite streaming show, or maybe even the person behind that TikTok, you know the one. If they're making you smile, we're talking to them. Listen to BuzzFeed Daily on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.